Good morning to everyone, except people that didn't wake up with shin splints this morning. We tried to do a NFL combine yesterday, and uh, I'm not in athlete shape. Unfortunately, that caused a lot of pain in my lower legs, which you guys will not be able to see. I'm in shorts right now, but we look professional up top, and we're going to talk about some professional things today. It is Monday morning, which means we're going behind the business of fantasy football. I am joined by a good friend of mine, Joe Holt. Today's episode is going to be arguably the most valuable one that we've put out because a lot of these conversations where we're diving into the mentality of being a content creator and the business and the branding and things that you're passionate about, they help a lot of the time on a mental standpoint, right? But there's only so much you can psych yourself up about, which is why you need to start getting practical about things. Myself and Joe are very similar in the type of brand that we're creating. We're all over social media. We try to be very numerous in the ways that we reach our audiences, and we have to be very technically sound. Now, since I've been doing these interviews, I've gotten a lot of people messaging me like, you know, how do you do the border of the video interviews that you do? What software do you use for the video itself? You know, the stuff that's above me and below us right here. So I figure Joe does it just as well as I do. So we can have a, a, an entire conversation on literally practical takeaways that you could take from this video and start using within your content, the softwares, the apps, the websites is going into your brain. So Joe, how are you, buddy? It's been a long time since you've been on the channel. I'm happy to have you back. And uh, why, don't you, why don't you give them a quick breakdown on uh, kind of what you have going on within your brand, what we can uh, touch on content-wise. Yeah, a lot going on. Uh, appreciate you having me back on. It's been a while since we dove into some business stuff, which is kind of mm -hmm. where my passion is. This, this time of year is honestly like perfect for that because that's when I'm trying to look back, look at kind of things going forward more on a large scale, not necessarily during the football season. There's just so much going on just to make sure you get the stuff out that you're trying to accomplish but I really enjoy kind of looking back at some things that worked some things that didn't work so yeah this time of year I'm definitely focused on some of the more long-term things um, but also what kind of things that I really enjoy and don't enjoy like that's one of the things that's nice about working for yourself even if you're working towards certain goals you can kind of pivot away from certain things if you feel like it's either not working or maybe you're just putting too much effort into certain things too so this time of year I'm, I'm really just trying to figure out where to go from here right if there's a if there's a pivot to be made maybe you make it but also how to improve some of the stuff um, from the last football season because everything's kind of driven by football, as you know, in the content world, even if you're doing other sports. I love this time of the year just because you get to step back from the in-season, you know, if you are in the football content creation for the most part. Finally get to step back where you get a couple months off. At this point, it's almost like you don't actually have a couple months off. You have like two weeks off, then you got to get back into the swing of things with rookies and dynasty and prospects and whatever. And you get to look at your brand from a bird's eye view and see what you can improve upon the things that you learned for the first time last year. Like, are you, like you said, going to start pivoting away? Okay. So I would say the main piece of content that you put out would be your, your video stuff, right? Your video content. Right. And we're seeing a lot of brands and companies start to pivot, right? Like when I started in fantasy football, there was maybe like four four people, four channels on YouTube doing fantasy football stuff. And now you can't really find a brand that doesn't do it, right? So within YouTube, there's a personal level to breaking out, but you also need to have the production side of things and technical side of things because you have video, you have audio, you have the video editing, the images that you overlay. So when you're doing your video, like what's your process like and what kind of pieces of tech or software or apps are you using? Yeah, I think the first things first is I'm always trying to kind of automate things when I can and at least speed up some of the process because I, I got to a point where, and I think we talked about this last time as well, there was so much involved post-production in terms of like the animations like I kind of prided myself like on the very beginning making sure my animations were kind of advanced just so that it would kind of catch people's eye a little bit. 
because that's kind of the main thing. And, and you mentioned that there's people, there wasn't a lot of people doing it when you first started. There's still, in comparison to a lot of sites out there that are doing only written content, or maybe they're kind of doing a few things on Twitter, Instagram, but really not at a high level, there's still a pretty big opportunity for for people that are willing to kind of go that extra mile because you stand out. And I'm seeing that right now doing some gaming stuff. My background and just my production quality in general stands out even for some of these people that are streaming for like thousands of people playing things. So like, I think that that's a way to move up the ladder. I've really focused on that in the beginning. I put a lot of funds and resources towards just making sure that the quality was extremely high end first. But as far as like the process, I use Streamlabs OBS for almost everything. The regular OBS, um, for those people that don't know, it's basically, it's a free software and it basically can take a video of your screen. It can take a video of your webcam coming in, but you can just edit the background of it to be kind of more customized if you want to. I definitely use more of a minimalist approach now than I used to. Um, that's kind of, I think, something that everyone goes through. In the beginning, you're like, oh, I can put logos here. I can put all yep. this stuff here. But then when you start to add, just bring it all back to just uh, being a little bit more simple, sometimes that's better. Um, but OBS makes it really easy to record things um, kind of at a really high quality. So I do it kind of in different packages, right? Like I'll do some intro stuff. Basically, I do my YouTube videos usually in three to four parts, depending on what I'm doing. Um, so I'll, I'll record all that in raw footage first, and then I'll go in and I do all my editing. I think this is probably different than you, I'm guessing. I use Camtasia for editing, and I don't really have a good reason for it other than I used to do a lot of video editing when I was still playing hockey. Uh, for anyone that's watching this later that doesn't know, I used to play uh, college hockey at the D1 level and played a little bit of minor pro as well. But even before that, I lived in Canada for three years, and you're really trying to put yourself out there in front of scouts, that sort of thing. Um, I taught myself how to edit video when I was just editing highlight videos for myself when I was still in junior. So I used Camtasia then. It's basically similar to a lot of the other ones out there. It probably has less options um, than using some of the more advanced ones out there. But I, I kind of like that it's a little bit more basic. I, I'm quicker now at editing just because I pretty much do that all day long these days um, than I've ever been. And I think that the fact that Camtasia is very simple um, really helps out a lot. Start to finish, OBS, Camtasia. And then you can kind of edit whatever platform it's going to go on. If it's going on Instagram, trying to develop templates for vertical video, trying to develop templates for, for Twitter, that's a square, whatever it is, like just making sure that the, the canvas of it matches the platform that's going on is really important also. What kind of camera are you using right now? Uh, I have two of the Logitech Brios. So technically it'll do 4K, um, but no one's really doing, I don't think YouTube, you can't do 4K on YouTube yet, right? Uh, I don't think so. I, they might've started to roll it out, but I'm not sure if the video actually uploads at 4k yet. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's one of the did. questions I get a lot of people are like, Oh, what kind of cameras do you, uh, do you use? And for my fantasy videos, I have the, the Brio as well. So Logitech makes uh, webcams, right? Little webcams you can get on Amazon. I've used the C920 and the C922. If you're looking to just get a good video, most of my videos I did last year, which you could go back and look are very, very similar to this. I wouldn't even say there's really a difference between the Brio and the 922. So if I had to suggest one, I will link everything we talk about, the software, the apps, the products and stuff down below. If you guys just want to go, you know, check them out or grab them or whatever. Uh, I use the webcam. Yeah, the Logitech C922 is the one I would suggest. It's probably 70 to 80 bucks on Amazon. I think the Brio was maybe like 140. Yeah, and I'll say this too before we even go any further. Webcams are probably one of the things that is very far behind, I would say, compared to other things. Like some of the, the webcam that you just mentioned that you used to use, the same one I used to use as well. It's been around for like over 10 years. Like even the Brio, like really? it's not super advanced, but the Brio, 
I think has like kind of the most flexibility in what you can do with colors and, and that sort of thing. Honestly, I think lighting is more important. Like, would you agree with that? Yeah. So lighting's a, a topic that I'm still not very knowledgeable about. It's one of those things where just like, I'll do a video, I'll turn the video on. And then I'm like, oh, that looks like shit. Let me like put a lamp over here and see how that looks. So it's still something I'm definitely trying to figure out. For the video though, just going back to that real quick, definitely, unless you're doing more stuff. On my channel, I like to do some stuff that's outside and, and a little bit more, um, you know, like nature or lifestyle stuff. So for that, obviously I'm not fucking walking around my street with a webcam, like do, <laughs> doing that. So I have an actual camera for that. So if anyone's interested, it's Sony ACE, the 6400, same thing as the 6500, but the 64 has a flip up if you want to like vlog or whatever. So camera wise, yeah, if you're just in the fantasy space and you're trying to make video content for like YouTube, this, the 70 to $80 webcam is absolutely perfect as 1080p. The reason that these kind of cameras are less expensive is because for the most part, they don't perform well in poor environments. So if you give yourself good lighting, like you said, most cameras have, in fantasy football terms, have, a, have around the same ceiling. They all look nice, but the floor is the problem. So lighting, what kind of setup do you have lighting-wise? Man, you can kind of go down the lighting rabbit hole pretty quick. And in my background, I have a lot of stuff going on. So lighting my background is a complete nightmare. Um, okay. But I have a bunch of the Elgato key lights. It's funny because like your setup is really nice, but people watching probably wouldn't believe what it looks like in front of you. The oh, amount of lights coming I have, out. so I have two lights, two key lights right above me here. I'll just show you guys. I'll turn them off as we're going. I have a top left light. So that's what happens to turn that off. I have a top right light, but the ones I wear a lot of hats, right? Cause I got really bad hair. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, so I actually have some lights on the outside that kind of point up a little bit that are a little bit less powerful. So if I turn those off, I got big time shadows, right? So th that's actually where a lot of my light comes from. It's the side ones. Then I also have ones on the background as well. So I have a back, back left bright light and I have a back right light. So if I turn off all my lights, literally, it could look completely different. Right? See, look how bad the camera looks now. Yeah, exactly. So I still well have, light. Uh, I have a bunch of LED strips that go kind of around my background because okay. it's kind of a disaster back there anyway. But without my lighting, my camera looks terrible. So, but if I could turn it all back on, it all comes back and it focuses all back into. So like, it, it's just the settings alone on my, and I probably, it's probably overkill what I have, but man, hours, days to try and get it to look uh, the way I want it to look. I've went through so many different products on Amazon trying to get good lighting, you know, the, the $30 one, the $50 one, the $70 one. Pay I've, up, I've, man. I've I, had I've the Elgato. One thing about lighting, it's just, there's some of them that are really hot too. So I, I can't handle like sweating during my streams and stuff like that. So like these ones are shit. great because it's all LED. It's very thin. They all come on things that actually go right to your desk and everything. Like this room is way smaller than people realize. The way I've kind of laid it out and shout out Pat Mayo, probably the king of like uh putting together a studio he's, on a budget he's coming on he's coming on for next week uh, next week uh, man pat <laughs> pat stepped up for me big time when i first uh, started doing this full time this room is not near as big as you think the distances between your seat and the background the distance between your camera and your face like all that stuff matters and it's great uh, he helped me out with a ton with that as well as uh jordan who i'm sure we'll talk about in a bit some guy that actually reached out to me on instagram um, a while ago, he's helped me out more than I could ever thank him for. So I mean, definitely didn't do this all alone. It was a lot even just like go look up some of my old YouTube videos, my lighting, even with this background, it was a it was a lot of trial and error to get it kind of where I want it to be. I'm like about 90% happy 
which is saying a lot for me. It's going to come down to what kind of room you're in as well. If you look at most fantasy football videos, it's like it's someone like uses their actual webcam on the computer with like a really poor lighting. And that's why it looks so shitty. But a little bit of lighting, like a $70 camera, go a very, very long way. For me, yeah. I'm lucky. I have a giant window right next to me that gets great natural light. So the best light would always be natural light. Like, but you don't want to go too close to it because then it like brights up your whole face. I have a lamp right here. And that's literally besides like the normal light in my room. This is the only other light. But even it looks with natural, that, though, at least. Yeah. yeah, even with that, I have a lot of natural lighting, so it picks up pretty well. So lighting is definitely an area where I need to improve on because I don't really know much about it, but I just kind of pick it up as it goes. So you talked about recording through OBS. For people, as you said, that are unfamiliar with it, it's basically like anytime you see someone streaming a video game, they have to do it through OBS. OBS is this app, this platform on the computer where like you put in this little key, like YouTube will give you this like weird number and then you throw it into OBS and then it will stream through that, whether you want to do it on Twitch or YouTube or whatever. I record these videos through Zoom. So if you want to do a video call like this, you could do it through Zoom and you could record for free and it'll save as a, as a file. You can get the audio files from it and upload it as a podcast as well. For Zoom, what it does is it takes these blocks and the outside of what I, the way I made these videos, the behind the business of, they look really nice, I wish that these took up more of the screen. Like I wish you and me had taken up the entire screen. Now you yeah. could do that via Skype, but with me, I've always had trouble with Skype. Like the first season I did these on Skype, it was always like delayed audio or delayed video with the audio. And I was like, Zoom always works really well for me. So I've stuck to Zoom and then I've designed around the Zoom template and it's worked out pretty well in terms of the design. And I also want to touch on one other thing you said was minimalist designs. Unless you are like an expert in graphic design and UX and UI, the one piece of uh, like advice I can give you for designing graphics is the less you do, the more you're doing. Do less on your designs and it will look better because you start, like you said, throwing in fucking logos and words and images and text and before you know it, it looks horrible and you don't know what the right text colors are to go with the right background and it, it, get, it gets messy very, very quickly. What do you use to uh, design your images? Yeah, so images overall, um, I just got a bunch of stuff made when I did the whole Hulkamania branding type of stuff. And I still use a lot of that to this day. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do use um, some different stuff if I'm doing thumbnails. It all depends on kind of what I'm doing. I use uh, Adobe Spark for a lot of things just because, again, like I'm teaching myself how to do 90% of this stuff anyways, and I find it one of the easiest ones to use. I was the same as you. I used Zoom for everything as well. Uh, there was also someone that told me if you were to do it in Discord, and I don't know if you use Discord, it's technically like a chat and it can link up to use Patreon, right? So you could use it. So it could be a chat for your Patreon. It builds community, all that. But it's one of the only things that actually you can capture in, uh, in 1080p, the other person. So I had this problem when I was doing a bunch of evergreen content for different sports for Daily Fantasy is my content or my quality looked amazing. Like it was a 1080p. It was all great. The other person on Zoom, it always looked pretty bad, honestly, because it wasn't being captured in 1080p through OBS. So what I decided to do, or what I'm gonna try and start doing now is using the Discord in the same way. But it, I still think Zoom is the easiest. You send your person, whoever's gonna be on just a link. It's by far, the it's way it's a way better solution than using Skype. I used Skype in the beginning too. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm gonna try and figure out how to implement Discord because I think the quality is a little bit better, but that's probably splitting hairs a little bit. This is, I mean, this is Zoom and this will go up and it'll look pretty crispy, I think. Like this okay. is straight through Zoom. So I think it might have to do with the other person's camera more so than maybe Zoom. Well, this itself. is when I was doing it live at the same time. So maybe it was a Twitch uh, problem as well, trying to capture both at the same time, just for whatever reason, their quality was always a little bit worse.
it's really hard connecting different platforms on like live streaming. I always had trouble trying to figure out how to stream things that were like on my screen to the live stream. And just because different softwares use different like frame rates on their videos. And there's always like a lag in between. I'll usually just go live straight on YouTube with my webcam. But yeah, in terms of recording for videos, OBS definitely works. OBS is a little bit more tricky in terms of like a learning curve if you want to customize it. But Zoom is, is fantastic for it. In terms of designing, I always use Canva. So I'm sure you, you're familiar with Canva. So Canva is like a free design website. You could set it up and they have templates for basically every single social media template that you could be looking for, right? Whether you're posting on Instagram or Twitter, or you, you could literally type in like YouTube thumbnail and they'll have templates for it. Uh, I would suggest making your own template for your stuff and not like taking the one off there. Cause it's once you start using Canva and then you go on YouTube, you could tell exactly like who's using, using Canva. it. Yep. Yeah. You could see who's using Canva templates and stuff. So Canva is a fantastic one. That's what I actually use to design the background of this video. Um, the only problem is when you need to make things like transparent, when you need to take out part of the picture, for instance, like I need to have me and Joe set up so that our holes are there. I can't do that on Canva. I have to transfer that over to Photoshop. Photoshop is one of the things in my arsenal. And I know some of my team that uses like Premiere Pro for video editing. I've personally, like if you ever watch like these videos, I edit the individual video I put out on like Thursdays, I edit vlogs. I always edit my own vlogs. So if you've ever like watched those and you're like, oh, this is pretty good quality. What do you use? I personally use iMovie. I've been using the free software yeah. on Mac for five years since I've been on YouTube. It's the only one I've used. I've tried to do Premiere Pro, but I just, in, in terms of investing my time into learning that, plus, you know, if you want to do the Adobe package, you have to pay. It's like $30 monthly. It gives you all mm -hmm. that stuff. So when you're starting out as a creator, like you want to keep as low as inventory as you possibly can. So there are tons of softwares that I use that are still free. You're talking about audio. You're talking about video. You're talking about video editing. Like you can get a very cheap webcam. that's really high quality. You can use iMovie. It's really good. Uh, let's talk about some audio because audio is something that I didn't have a microphone for like two years. I just used the straight, whatever the, uh, the microphone was, whatever I was recording to. And for some reason it was like a subconscious thing. I think I was like, yeah, I'm going to like build my audience and like prove that you don't need any of the cool shit to, to make that happen. And in a sense it worked, but you just realize how much of the quality comes from these little technical setups. And this was the Shure SM7B. That's the same one you yeah. have, right? Yep. Yeah. So he has the pop filter on, which basically makes sure you don't Oh, and it looks cooler. I, I like the slimmer look a little bit, actually. I've used both. Yeah. You'll see them on people's microphones. Like if you've ever seen my old Yeti had like the big blue one, the, that's a pop filter. Just make sure that like the sound doesn't come like too poppy into the microphone. These ones are very expensive ones, right? These have a whole setup to them and you absolutely do not need. These are called the dynamic microphone in order to get started with anything audio wise throughout your time. Like you've had that for a long time. I think since we've ever created anything together, you've had the just short. got it this year, actually. Oh, yeah, really? so the beginning of football though. So before we started doing those videos on your channel, I've had okay. it since then. But yeah, this is the Shure SM7B. This is the dynamic microphone. Like you said, a lot more goes into using these. They're more expensive. Like the sound quality is pretty significant, honestly, but uh, I use just the same thing as you. I used a Blue Yeti microphone for my first four years doing mm -hmm. this, three, four years, totally fine. And, and USB microphones, they're always going to be easier. You basically plug it in and it works. These ones, you got to tweak them quite a bit things can go wrong. Like it has like its own power supply. I use a go XLR mini um, that has a bunch of different things on it because for, for streaming, if I'm gaming, if I'm doing any of those type of things, I want to be able to move different volumes around for different things. If Nick's on my channel, then I want to be able to move his volume up and down. So more goes into it. They're expensive for sure. Just in audio alone, you can easily get something for a hundred dollars. That's going to sound 70, probably 80% what these are. Uh, but if you want one of these dynamic microphones, like you're getting up to 800, 1200 bucks pretty quick when it's all said and done between everything. 
it's bad. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like focusing on your content is is the right thing to do. You can get like a decent, you know, budget level microphone that's gonna, like you said, be 80 to 90% of a high level production would be like. So I definitely wouldn't focus on it. This is almost $400 in itself. I think it's 400. Do you go into a cloud lifter? Uh, I don't. So the Go XLR Mini, uh, it doesn't have its own power supply. So you can't use a cloud lifter with it. I actually bought it because I wanted to be a little bit louder. I always have to turn my audio up when I do my editing just because it's not loud enough. Cloud lifter obviously helps that, but you can only do that if you, I don't know what type of, if you have a Go XLR or what it is, um, but the Mini doesn't have its own power supply, so it won't work. Okay. Yeah. I got the Scarlett i2, whatever that you can mm -hmm. plug like two microphones into. Yeah. So the, the difference between like the USB and these dynamic is the USB mics are simply that you, they have a USB on the other side and you could plug them right into your laptop or whatever. So they're very simple to use, not as powerful, not as high quality, but these ones have to be plugged into a certain box that then plugs into your laptop and you mess around with the controls. And sometimes these are like too powerful that you need to plug them into what they call a cloud lifter first that then plugs into that box that then plugs into your laptop. So there's just a lot of shit that goes on when you are starting out the focus needs to be on like the simple things you don't need to be a millionaire production company in order to put out quality content because that's when you're going to get yourself overwhelmed and you're going to start focusing on all the wrong things so i would say get something a usb mic like listen google and youtube are your friends anything that we talk about in this video you would have been able to find if you just went on to youtube and or on google and said how to make a thumbnail for youtube and i bet you canva would have been like the second thing on there so uh, we will try to give you all of like the products and stuff that we use, but I don't think they would be good investments for people that are just starting out. And you could always drop comments and ask other beginner level ones, and we'll probably reply to you and give you our opinion on those things. So video, audio, uh, some of the soft, what would you consider like, for me, like YouTube is obviously my main platform. Would you have something that you focus the majority of your time on in terms of a content platform? Yeah, so this can be probably even a broader conversation too. So this past year, I kind of, you and I are both pretty big Gary Vee fans, I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. And his big thing is be, uh, have content everywhere, have a lot of content of it, make sure it's specific to the platform, all of those things. So um, from fantasy football, daily fantasy football, whatever you're doing, uh, I was one of, if not the only people that was putting a ton of work into Instagram, into LinkedIn into some of these other platforms, into TikTok, those type of things. And I do think that some of that time was worth it. You're always gaining skills no matter what you're doing, that sort right. of thing, which is great. Having some sort of Instagram audience, sure, is fantastic. Um, and one of the things and why I mentioned Jordan earlier, the guy who's been helping me out since the very beginning, he and I did a deep dive into all of my platforms to see where my traffic was coming from, what was actually making me money, and where some of the things probably can be scaled back, scaled up, that sort of thing. And it was pretty interesting, honestly. And probably the biggest mistake that I would think that I made is I put way too much emphasis on Instagram. I think relative to what I got out of Instagram, pushing to the platforms that actually make me money, YouTube, Twitch, those are probably the two that make me the most money. Um, Twitch by far the most during you know football times. You know what I think might have been, you know what I think might have been your problem is you pushed a lot to Instagram and it was good mm -hmm. content, but it was almost right where the organic reach on Instagram started to die. You know, it was so bad if, timing. So if sure. you had, right. So if you had started doing that like four years ago, like yeah, that your fantasy football counselor with a hundred K. Exactly. You would have started making all the money through Instagram. Yeah. It was bad timing. At the same time, I have to look in the mirror at some point and realize that I kind of beat my head up against that wall for a little longer than I should have. I'll still have Instagram comment or content. But I mean, I hired someone for the first time this year to help out with some of these platforms, to help out with at least the posting, 
the SEO. Here's what I want exactly. Here we go. Honestly, didn't really make much off of Instagram this year. I did a couple um, different things, um, ownership posts, sponsor posts, that sort of thing. Went way overboard on affiliates when I first started doing this. So mm -hmm. that's something that I completely scaled out of. Um, last year, which I think was solid. Believe it or not, I was kind of on the, I don't really care about Twitter. Twitter doesn't matter. Twitter doesn't make me money. Twitter pushed a lot of traffic to my YouTube and a lot of traffic to my, uh, my Twitch. So this coming year, I'm ready to take the L and take a little bit more time on Twitter. YouTube is always going to be... What, what exactly do you mean by that? Take more time on Twitter? I'm going to put more effort into it, I should say, because the only thing I was really doing on Twitter, and, and I'm the first one to say my Twitter game is, is pathetic. I have no idea why I have the following that I do. I do think that in our kind of space, fantasy football, a lot of people are on Twitter for news. They're on Twitter because that's where all the, the, the analysts are, all that. Mm -hmm. Those people would see things I tweet out. They go to my YouTube videos. Perfect. They would see that I'm live on a Sunday morning. They would go to Twitch. Perfect. And it was actually driving people. Instagram wasn't. Instagram wasn't driving me any traffic whatsoever. LinkedIn was a little bit different. It wasn't driving me traffic, but I also got a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients from LinkedIn because that makes sense because there's a lot of people with money. There's a lot of people that don't have as much time. I honestly think was probably a decent investment. Maybe not the whole content side of it, but trying to build a following on LinkedIn, I do think was, was useful. There's always going to be a space for YouTube. If there was one place where I would say that I wish that was my, my primary focus, YouTube's great because that's the search engine. That's how new people that have no idea who Joe Holka or Nick Arcolano are, that's where they find us, right? I ask people all the time because I do a lot of stuff on Twitch recently or throughout football, but now off season, some different type of Twitch stuff. Where'd you find me? How, how did you find our content? 99 out of 100 times, it's YouTube. You need to kind of really go through all of your platforms and kind of be like where, we, like I put way too much uh, emphasis on things that were not making me any money and having a following is great. But like, who cares if you have 10k on Instagram, I actually think that I probably care too much about some of the vanity metrics in the beginning, like I want swipe ups, I want 10k on Instagram, I want mm -hmm. whatever it is, likes, shares, all that stuff. Who cares? That stuff really doesn't matter. It doesn't. And like, when I'm actually trying to make this into a business, it has to all have at least some sort of a goal bringing these people together towards something where hopefully your true fans really um, stick by you, you build a community, that sort of thing. So uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm thinking about, man. But if I had like a couple, I think Twitch would probably be where I make the most money. And it's probably where you build more community aspect as well. But YouTube is just so important because that's how you grow. You yeah, don't grow on Twitch. That's interesting. We'll dive into Twitch in a little bit because I think that's probably a platform that people can dive into. And I think we talked about it last time you were on too, because it's very hard to find video platforms where you can actually have an audience, you know, and, and mm -hmm. make a difference there. And Twitch is semi-unsaturated pretty much, especially for our space. So it's funny that you, you said that about Instagram, how you were like, yeah, I don't really care anymore. It's not really doing anything. It's true because we thought the same thing. If you look at the big dog Instagram feed, like for a long time throughout maybe the first like 12 weeks of the season, I had two guys helping me chop up videos from the videos we'd put out on YouTube. They would download the video, chop it up into two minute clips for Instagram or whatever. And then I realized I was like, there is literally no growth on Instagram. Like there's no reason to do this. So what we did was like, okay, Instagram is going to be completely just like funny behind the scenes shit and memes. Like we just post memes. Yeah. We post, and that's exactly what's like popular on Instagram right now. So it's just fun. It's for branding. We take selfies all the time of like dumb shit that we're doing. We, we videotape behind the scenes stuff and just throw it up there as if we don't care. So Instagram, that's kind of the way I look at it now too. Like it, it was for me, it was not a platform that I grew heavily on ever. So I never relied on it from like a money standpoint. For me, it's just like much more fun because I know there's still a lot of people on it and it could be another way to like interact with your audience. So it's like, it's finding a balance between where you first grew and where your actual customers are and knowing what's contextual to that platform in a sense. So we also like pulled away from Instagram and I was just like, 
we can't put up this much effort into something that doesn't work. Now we started actually putting, I've realized on, on Twitter, I've put up like three or four videos over the last like month or two that were a little bit of higher production quality. And there were like random videos. I would put them up. And one of them was like uh, the interview I did with Matt Kelly a few weeks ago. We did like a trailer for it. And before I knew it, that trailer had like 12,000 views on Twitter. And I'm like, that's like four times as many views as the actual video itself got. And it's just posted on Twitter. And then I had a video I put up like two weeks ago that got like 25,000 views on Twitter. And I'm like, yo, people don't like looking at things like that because it's not like official. You can't, you know, on YouTube, it feels good. It's like, oh, this is that video that went for 100,000. But like Twitter, it's kind of like a passerby thing. But I feel like I need to start looking at that more and maybe start thinking of more higher production quality videos on Twitter because I've seen them work so well. And I think I think the point here is like you need to experiment all the time. Like you need to look at these platforms and be very real and honest with yourself about what's actually happening. Not like not like what you want to be happening, not what you think should be happening or what your audience is like supposed to like. The, the numbers are telling me one thing and you should follow that wherever you're at in your path, whatever you decide to pursue. That was just like very random thoughts off the top of my head. So if you have- No, that's good. And before we move on from Twitter, man, I think exactly what you said, there's not a lot of people doing like really high quality video over there. So I think that's uh, an opportunity. And I've experimented a bit as well. Like I mentioned how uh, I'm doing certain things, but changing the canvas of it, whether it's a YouTube canvas, whether it's a vertical video, whether it's a square, that sort of thing. So I I actually peek beneath the curtain, I guess. Uh, I did about 52 minute videos, NFL, NHL, baseball, golf, that sort of thing. And then I'm going to start just throwing it up on buffer um, and just scheduling it out so that they'll come out in the peak times of when there's growth for each sport. And they'll be high quality, like evergreen DFS type educational stuff, but they'll be ready to go on Twitter. So they're about one to two minutes long each. There's about 25 of them per sport. I'll also probably turn them into like a top 25 video on YouTube, something like that. But they were kind of made just for very short term growth based on when the majority of people are thinking about it. So like, all these golf videos, you'll see them before the masters, like that sort of thing. I'll start trickling them out over time. Hopefully I can start to grab more of a twit. Like when I I talk about trying harder on Twitter, that's what I'm talking about. So like I recorded all of those videos in a week. I Mm -hmm. had a different t-shirt, a different hat on for all of them. So people (laughs) are going to think they're as recorded that day. No, those are scheduled out. My life's going to be scheduled out in about two weeks here. It's gonna be fantastic. That's awesome. There you go. You you mentioned buffer. Now for those of y'all that are unfamiliar with buffer, it's this website or this app where you could schedule posts to social media. I use this a lot when I first got on social. I veered away from it because I think originally when they had it, like you would upload the video, the two minute video, and then you could choose the platform that it shoots out to. My hesitation for using platforms like that, and they've all gotten better where you can customize it, the shapes and sizes and the copyright, is the fact that a lot of places wanna make your life easier, but that doesn't make it better. You know what I mean? Yep. Like when, when you're posting a box video, mm-hmm. and these are the things you have to think about as a content creator. When you're, when you're posting a, a video that's you know 1080 by 1080, that's good for Twitter. It's not yep. really that good for Instagram because Instagram, you want it to be a longer video because it will show the entire thing if you put it on there, right? And it it'll takes have, up more space on someone's phone. More when screen time when you're scrolling. Yeah, exactly. So those are the things you have to think about that are contextual. Now, if you use a, a site like Buffer where you, you upload one video or whatever, it uploads the same video to all the platforms. And that's what made me kind of pull back on that. And as I'm trying to get more, you know, I'll bring this up all the time, but like contextual to the platform, it should have been kind of systematized or autom- automated by this point with some of the technology out there but it seems like we have to do more manual work do you have like i know you use buffer but it seems like you also have to you know make each one for their own platform 
You're absolutely right. So if there's a platform out there that can do everything for every platform, all the SEO, everything you have to do, I would love to find out, but I don't think it exists for the detail that I do on the back end of certain things. So mm -hmm. Twitter is the only one I'm using Buffer for currently. LinkedIn, the problem with using LinkedIn on Buffer is it'll work, but it doesn't, it basically, it posts differently to the site is the best way I can yeah. describe. LinkedIn wants you to post it from their site. They don't want you to post it from Buffer. They don't want any of that. They want you to be on their platform. So the, the reason that it's bad is because your video isn't going to start as someone scrolling on LinkedIn if you posted it from Buffer first. It has to be uploaded from their platform. So like that's something I'm going to have to do separately. Instagram, you can't do all the SEO stuff that you would like to do through Buffer either. So for me, Twitter is the only one I'm going to use Buffer for most likely. Um, and it's literally all fucking Twitter would have to do to put Buffer out of business is have a scheduling tool on the, like well, Twitter, do a schedule tool. does it, but it, it doesn't work with the type of videos that are super high quality and a higher file size. Basically, they're just not mm -hmm. going to hold all that for you. So it's a lot of stuff, man. I wish you could just use, yeah, like you could just use the platform, like buffer wouldn't exist. And the other thing is like, if you want to tweet something out that has a link in it, like you can't do that to Instagram because there's no yep. links and it just looks dumb. You have like a bitly link at the bottom of your Instagram captions. Yep. Like that doesn't, that doesn't belong there at all. So like for the most part, the, it's still not a good system in place to automate this stuff. What is, what is your take on, on like focusing on one platform rather than trying to be everywhere for, for a beginner, at least for people that are just starting to kind of pivot to maybe video or audio? Like, do you think your time is better spent trying to spread yourself thin? Or do you think that you should really focus on what you see working and like invest into that? This is something that I think I've kind of come full circle on a little bit. I think people me know me as I just want to be everywhere. I'm going to change that a little bit. And if I had to do it completely all over again. I do think Twitter is important, like I said, just because I think that's where a lot of our niche is personally. Yeah. But if you were just starting today, it's got to be YouTube because that's where people are going to find you. And that's yep. where you're going to see consistent growth if you're doing the right things. Like you're going to start out, you're not going to get many views. And that's just how it works in the beginning. The algorithm's trying to figure out what type of content you want to do, what type of content, what kind of quality you have, what kind of engagement you have. But I, if I was starting now, I wouldn't be on Instagram at all. No chance. I would not be on Facebook. I would not be on Instagram. I would probably try and figure out a way to do TikTok in a, it's TikTok's hard for our niche too. And I've heard you talk about this before too. And it's actually got me thinking there's certain platforms that just don't translate to some of the things we do. And I probably, again, beat my head up against the wall on LinkedIn doing some very fantasy football driven stuff. Um, so I have some plans for LinkedIn that'll be a little bit different. Um, but if I was just starting today, I'd probably just be on YouTube and Twitter if we wanted to be in our niche. Yeah, I actually, I would agree with you. And I, I would say, uh, do you upload your stuff to uh, podcasts like audio? That's the one part that I haven't done yet. But I also don't think that a lot of the content I do would be as good if it was only audio. So again, there's some, there's some things that I'm going to be working on that I'm going to be posting on LinkedIn. Those could probably be a podcast, but a lot of the stuff I do, I, I don't think would transfer very well. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, that's like my piece of advice basically for you. I think you're right on the head there with, if you're in our industry, uh, YouTube and Twitter are definitely the go-to places to be. But the reason I would say that everyone should be having their stuff in podcast form is because this is one area of our field where they do automate it really well and make it very simple. So okay. I used a site called uh, buzzsprout for my podcasting, but they, uh, they charge you a fee once you hit a certain number of like gigabytes that you've uploaded for the month. And I far surpassed that. So I recently went over to a site called Red Circle and they're not affiliated with me. This is not sponsored or anything. Redcircle.com. You can create a podcast on there. You could sync it with iTunes, with Spotify, with Stitcher. 
all you literally do is upload the audio file. So when you save a video file, right? I do all my videos obviously uh, in iMovie and I could export that as a, an MP4. And when you're in iMovie, after you do that, you just go back to the file, you go like file, export, and then that time you export it as an audio only file. So there you go. You have your podcasting file, you have your, your video file if you want. Then when you go back to Red Circle where you set up your podcast, and I, I believe everything is, I've never paid for anything on Red Circle, so I'm pretty sure they have no like payment thing. I don't know how they're even monetizing, to be honest with you. So you can go onto Red Circle, upload the audio, and boom, it shoots out to all of these platforms. So it's like, it's almost like, Yes, the quality might not be there, but like, why not if it's that easy? So that's like, for me, I don't focus on audio whatsoever. We have ratings on iTunes where like, what the fuck is this kid talking about? There are, you know, instances where like he says something weird and there's like pauses and it's definitely because I'm like doing something dumb on video. It can work against you if you're not focusing on audio and that is being contextual to the platform that you're uploading to. But for me, the return on it is, is well worth it because there are people everywhere that consume differently. Like I hate reading, I hate blogs, and I think we should get into that in a second too. But I listen to everything via podcasting you guys yep. watch me via video but i never watch video so i think like for you like red circle would be the perfect solution for you not really to have to do anything yeah and that's the perf that's like the problem with youtube right and unless you're getting the premium version which no one does like you can't listen to it while you're working out that sort of thing so yeah. i've heard that before it's it's definitely on my list of things to figure out i would have to probably tweak certain things that i do or at least things that i say as i'm showing things in the background like during the nfl season i'm showing a lot of data on Twitch, basically why this guy is a good play, really showing you kind of the process on a Sunday morning, that kind of thing. I would have to present it differently if it was going to be only audio. And then some of the stuff that I'm doing on Twitch now definitely wouldn't translate, which is, yeah, I mean, there's stuff that we have to kind of think about and um, everyone's content is kind of different. And there's a lot of different ways to attack our niche, but I think that the niche is still smaller than people realize, uh, especially the daily fantasy area of it you're you're mostly you're almost you're almost all dynasty and season long at this point right nick yeah i yeah. think the only so dfs content we bigger. did was with with you right so i mean the the dfs industry it's something i've been giving a lot of thought to is i don't know if it's going to be growing much more than it is right now I, I would be shocked if it got any bigger because with sports betting happening it's it's the the reality is sports betting it's easier not to get completely destroyed and i, I think that that's one thing that i I struggle with sometimes as well is just because I know that the majority of the people that consume my content, I can, I give a lot away, a ton of stuff for free, a lot of educational stuff. This is what I'm doing. This is what has made me successful in the past. But the reality is a lot of those players are going to lose money. And, and that's something that I actually kind of struggle with a little bit because those people that lose money, they're probably not coming back to your content and you're losing those people forever. You're going to grab some people along the way that take it a little bit more seriously that really want that in-depth type of content. But the ceiling like from a YouTube perspective, even some of the bigger daily fantasy, whatever, they're never getting over 10,000 views on a web, on a, like a video ever, because the stuff's relevant for like four hours, maybe for a daily sport. Football's great because it's relevant for like a couple of days. So I don't know what the ceiling is from just doing daily fantasy content. At least you have things you can talk about throughout the whole off season and the niche is bigger. You've got, you've got all the dads out there that love playing fantasy football for $5 with their office. Like that, yeah. that's awesome. Cause those people, they're going to love your content either way. If someone gets absolutely buried in NBA DFS because they're just getting run over by the 1% of people that are taking it super seriously as a job, like those people aren't coming back. So yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And it's not that I'm going to completely back away from it, but I think that there's other avenues uh, to build things up bigger than they are now. I actually just had this conversation. I was on a phone call like an hour and a half ago with a company that's trying to like bring a, a service into the season long audience. 
and they're asking like, you know, what is the upside for the season long audience in terms of purchasing? Like how much money can you really make in the season long sphere of things? And I'm like, there's, there's good upside. Uh, You can't really price things that are that high because most people aren't that serious about it. Like you said, they're in their $5 leagues. So the pricing of the products can't be that high, but DFS is interesting because at least with, um, and you know, we talk about this a lot, like for DFS, especially like the one or two people that are going to be able to successfully create a brand, a personal brand around themselves and and loyalty from their audience are the people who are going to win in the long term. But with DFS, the outcome in terms of how much you like a content creator is how much money they won you, right? For season long, yes, it's cool to win your league, but like you connect in season long with your league mates, with the content creator on like a, uh, on a much more like engagement type level. You know what I mean? So it's like, if, if this person is supposedly the best DFS player in the world, and he loses me like $500 this week, I'm just going to be like, ah, you know what? Like, fuck this guy and move on. But for season long, like, it's just way more naturally engaging within the space. So for DFS, it's like, it is hard to see over the long run, like, what's going to happen. I just know that making that connection with your audience is really the only way that things can happen. It's it's tough because I can see... I can see both sides of it in some ways. I think some, one thing that's probably really helped me is I show basically all of my results and mm-hmm. uh, to my own detriment at times, like, trust me, it like, so I've talked about this before on stream and probably with you in general, but my start to just last season, as an example, had a great preseason NFL, had a great like week one through five. And then I went probably on the worst downswing I've ever had in DFS. And for me, I'm showing all my results. So basically week six, through week like 14, I think I might've lost every single week because I'm playing only tournaments. So the top 20% or so is even cashing, getting their money back in, in a lot of cases. So um, that's tough mentally. I was fortunate that the end of the season went really well. Could have gone terribly wrong. And it's something that wore on me more this year, I think, than it ever has, where it finally kind of hit me and this is probably when you know you're playing outside of the stakes you should be. My girlfriend, she's busy on weekends, obviously, with the football stuff, but there was one Thursday where the Vikings were playing on Thursday Night Football. And I don't play the Thursday through through Monday slate for a couple of reasons. It's just one of my worst ROIs, but also I'm not usually ready by Thursday um, to start to, to play those type of contests. We played the showdown slate. That's just the Thursday game. And I played like, uh, I think we both made a lineup. Uh, my girl and I both made a lineup for like $25 each, something like that. We went to a, like a local bar where everyone's cheering, all this stuff. And I had more fun that night with $8 or whatever it was mm-hmm. in play than I did with seven grand in play on a Sunday. You know what I mean? And, and for me, that was like, okay, this is like how like I used to like football. It was like fantasy football was fun. My buddies, my college buddies, I just wanted to win because I wanted to win. It wasn't because I hope I don't lose this weekend and I can't pay my rent, that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? So I've never gotten to the point where I couldn't pay my rent, but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, of That's, I think, when you know when you need to tail back a little bit. And for me, it was hard because I built part of my brand upon playing the $1,500 tournament every week. And then I review it on Tuesdays, that sort of thing. But you lose over a significant portion of time. Maybe I don't come back the end of last season and end up having a profitable year. Easily could have happened. It happened. I know tons of guys and not naming any names, honestly, people would be shocked in the industry that do DFS content that are not winning players that are completely buried. I'll be honest with you. I I assume 90% of people that put out DFS content don't make money. That's- it's one of two things. It's they play 25 bucks a week and they have all these hot takes about play this wide receiver in this matchup because he's going to be low owned, but they don't have any skin in the game. Or 
it's the other side of it. And they play a lot and they're completely buried, completely buried, never going to dig their way out of the hole that they've dug themselves. That's the problem I see with DFS is that the product or service that you're peddling is literally just, I'm going to win or I'm not going to win. And that's what you're buying from a DFS person, man. That's what, that's what scares me. And that's why not necessarily that I never made content around it. It just was never like a passion of mine. So for like you, if you're enjoying it the most when you're making videos, but you're only spending $25 on it, like I would say you probably have to find a way to reverse for me. Like I, this is the shit that I love doing. So I'm like, how can, how can I make this type of content while people still give a shit? It's like, Oh, but I could take fantasy football and like wrap it around that. So you have to find a way to like, maybe make more popular types of content. Like even if you started diving into season long stuff, right. Made it like season long videos. There's a huge part of that audience that probably plays DFS in the same way that like I make the season long, but we put your DFS video in the middle of my stuff. It's still like a natural fit, but like, it's probably better for your organic growth in a sense. Right. So you have to kind of like reverse engineer how you're going to build it up to eventually get to to the things that you love doing. And, and again, I I think I've had this issue in DFS too. I I think that if I have a weakness, it's I move away from things not quickly enough. If it's clearly bad, if there's no edge whatsoever, like I will beat my head up against that wall until I am sure that I don't have an edge in that. And the same thing can happen in content. Like if I continue on this path, like I, I'm not going to guarantee that I'm always just going to do DFS content, whatever sport it is. When it comes down to it, if this is a business, there's certain things that I might there's some of my audience that might not be very happy if I decide to do something else. Like it's possible that that could happen. One thing that's come out of this that's been fantastic is that I've actually really enjoyed helping people. You can help people through YouTube. You can help people with all that, but I do a lot of one-on-one stuff and I've really enjoyed that. One of my biggest clients this year won a million dollars on the Super Bowl. It was like one of the coolest things that's ever happened. So I got to enjoy that. One of my really good friends is in sales in Minneapolis and he came into my studio last week and we made a video. And like, he was like, so pumped up to like make content and it's like helping him make sales because it's so high quality and all these things like, dude, why don't you just like tell people in our audience, like how to make good content? I was like, I don't know. I had a lot of, we just like had beers, made a video and it was just like, he was like so pumped. His boss sent him a a text the next day. It was like, dude, this is literally insane. Like, cause there's so many other ways that content and that creating content, like we're building skills right now, no matter what we're doing, well, whatever it is, like I could translate this and do something completely different pretty sure I could still do it relatively well. Yeah, this video would resonate with literally any industry because content yeah. is becoming such a big part of it. And that's so funny, like he wanted to come in and like create content and stuff. And He's I love the up. idea of like people doing that from all different angles and all different businesses and stuff because it's it's just prevalent everywhere. So these skills that we're learning, I mean, they're obviously relevant to football and fantasy football, but realistically, it's 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 so much larger than that. And that's like the fun part about it. And when you're trying to learn this stuff, like no one no one knows it from the start. You just learn it. You go on Google and type in how to whatever you try it for 10 hours and you fucking can't figure anything out. And then before you know it, two days, three days go by, you get a little bit better and a little bit better. And year after year, you know, you improve on the little things, but these are just like the technicalities that I see a lot of people that are already creating content come across and they have these questions over and over again. So I figured, you know, we throw this video out here to hopefully land you on your feet. And maybe right when we're done, you could log on to Canva. You could log on, you could download, Download iMovie on your MacBook and then really start getting a little bit better at creating content. And the more you practice, obviously, the better you're going to get and you'll get, you know, feedback from from people out there. And man, I, I don't know about you, but I was not a natural at this whatsoever. Like, and one of the best compliments I probably ever got was about a month ago. One of my good buddies back in Arizona, like someone that would never pay me a compliment in a million years, mm-hmm. messaged me on Instagram the other day. I had like a story up or something. He's like, dude, you've gotten like way better at this. And I was like, 
and he was dead serious. Like that actually like meant a lot that he said that. You, like you know your buddies, they're not going to give you a compliment for no reason. Right. But those are the most genuine. Yeah. When you like have yeah. a couple of those friends that are like, you know, they don't really care what you're up to, even no matter how cool the shit is. And they're like, yo, this is dope. I'm like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Like you know, you take that shit to heart, really. Yeah. And going back and even looking at stuff a year ago, I've there. I'm I have a long way to go as far like you're gonna have Pat on your show and be like, this guy is like Pat's gonna be on a major network very soon. I would be shocked if he's not, he's that good. Like he mm -hmm. is an elite level talent. I know we're close to that, which I mean, we're, we're working on it every single day. We have different goals, that sort of thing. Uh, Pat will be making money probably just on his podcast. I would imagine at some point, and that'll be good. He'll be able to make a living just on that. That's how good he is. But these are the type of skills that no one just starts. And it's just, no one's Pat Mayo at the start. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, you have to take your strengths and your weaknesses. Like for instance, uh, I, I talked about, you know, my production was 100% not my strength. And it took me years to figure out, like I still, like I said, I don't know anything about lighting. It took me so long to figure I just got this mic, even though I had been producing for, you know, videos for 30 to 50,000 people watching them for so long without any good production. Like that was a part of me that I just like, I was not good at. I didn't realize that it needed to work. But I had always, on the flip side, I was always very comfortable in front of a, a video camera. And like, I would always, I, I feel like if I would boil myself down to one word, it would just be like, I'm a, I'm a communicator. Like I have a, I have an easy way of taking things that I feel like are a little bit complicated and making them simple for the audience. And I think that's always the way I tried to communicate to them. So you have your strengths and you have your weaknesses. What I like to do, especially, and, and this translates to like designing, especially if you're making images or videos or whatever, there are people that you see that you really like the videos for, right? Or you really like the picture they put up. What I would do is like, look at it and, and really figure out like, what about it that you like, you know, like, is it like the outside border that's, you know, make you try to make it and then look at theirs and be like, what's the difference between the two. And you'll find the Delta of why theirs is good and why yours is not good in that little search right there. So I always take pieces of designs or little things. Like I noticed uh, when you're starting to design thumbnails on YouTube, what kind of font should you be using? What color should the font be? Those kind of things are very hard to figure out, but just look at the ones that catch your eye. Look at the ones that you really like, figure out what it is that makes you like them and then start using them on your video. So that took me like years to get it. But now you said it right before the video kicked off. I feel like we have some of the best thumbnails that are out there in the fantasy football space now. And that I was horrible, hor like my sister took all the artistic ability in my family, but now like my thumbnails, I'm actually kind of proud of. Yeah, dude, I mean, those I, just since I started following your content, your thumbnails have improved a ton. That's something that I definitely am going to be working on as well. And and you talk about like content, what catches your eye? Like I consume a lot of content. Like we both watch, we're both big Gary Vee fans, but I'm also like a big Tim Ferriss fan. Like and just like what catches my eye? Like we haven't even really talked about TikTok yet, but man, I'm not kidding. I legitimately can get lost on TikTok for like three hours, like in, in the middle of the day. And, and there's no other app like that that can hold my attention the way that TikTok does. And I know I'm not alone. Like the day after the Kobe Bryant tragedy, I was on TikTok for like four hours just watching Kobe Bryant videos, like Jeez. interviews and stuff. And it knows like on a deeper level, the type of content you want to see. So it keeps you on the platform. The, the algorithm reach is off the charts. Like it is an insane app. If you, I'm just constantly trying to get my girlfriend off of her phone because she's on Instagram, she's on whatever. Like I, I physically like don't want her to start getting into TikTok because I'm never going to talk to her at that point. So it's just like, it's that addicting, but like, Man, if you can figure out a way to bring your niche into TikTok in a smart way, that's the nuts right there. It's similar to, you know, you said same thing with like Instagram, where it's like sometimes it's just not a natural fit for wherever your whatever your content is. I mean, they all work. Like realistically, none of these platforms are ones that you need to be really attached to. It's just like figure out where the people are, where you can grow. Like if you're if you're beginning and you're trying to figure out how do I make it in the industry. 
Go where nobody else is. If that's TikTok and everyone's talking shit about TikTok, that's how you know it's the right place to go because no one else wants to go there until someone does it successfully and then everyone's like, oh shit, I should have been there. Like that could be you. So you always have to be looking out for these. Don't be me. Don't be a year late on Instagram, please. Don't do that. See, you got got to be first to market if you're not going to be able to find a place that's like not saturated already. So TikTok, do you still, uh, are you posting on TikTok regularly? So I've, been experimenting, I'll, I'll say. So at one point, I'll just give you one of the things that I, I was messing around with. I was messing around with theme pages. So I created 10 TikToks in one day, uh, a bunch of different types of football TikToks. So I had, uh, and they were all based upon things that someone would search for. If you were looking for a football related TikTok account, maybe you search for NFL something. So I have a TikTok account called NHL or NFL touchdowns and I was just like making videos with touchdowns on it and like had randomly had a Derrick Henry video get like 150,000 views like it was insane like that stuff can just happen to an account that has no followers so yeah I've experimented a bit I'm doing some gaming stuff now on Twitch I might convert my personal TikTok to more of like some viral stuff that happens uh, in NHL 20 which is basically the only game that I'm playing right now on Twitch that's probably where I'll take it And I see it here on kind of our notes that we have. And I struggle with this as well. Perfection versus like just getting stuff out there. I do more planning than doing sometimes for sure. And I'm working on it. But uh, I've been planning TikTok more than doing TikTok. And that's something that I'm going to try and correct here shortly. Yeah, everyone has that like thing holding them back from actually creating. And it's usually because they feel like it needs to be perfect and the problem with the space that we're in especially like what you and me are doing where we're posting on youtube twitter instagram podcast tiktok whatever it is linkedin that's so many platforms right there and in order to have a piece of content that's perfect on all of them would take you all day just to post one thing so it's like there's only so much bandwidth, man. Like, I don't know about you, but like five, like lock, lock hits for DF. I'm like so fried. Could barely even like make words. Yeah, dude. I hate after this video, it's, we're filming this on a Thursday. It's like 4.30 right now by me Eastern time. I'll probably edit this tonight, but typically if I wasn't going to be editing the video, I would push it till tomorrow and I'd kind of be done with this because like your bandwidth, like you said, only goes so far. And I have, that's something I struggled with over the last three years, but I'm super comfortable with where I'm at now and realizing that you don't need to be working 13 to 14 hours a day. Cause all that does is eventually like fuck your head up for the next day and the next day. And it drains the energy from you. So I try to be more sparse with where the good energy comes from. Like I want to make sure that I'm, I'm ready to have this conversation that's super valuable to people. But if I worked for 14 hours yesterday, my brain would be fried right now. And this conversation would be shit and wouldn't be valuable. So that's definitely something um, I've learned over the years that like perfection is it's 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 all subjective. Like whatever I put out, there's going to be people that don't like it. Obviously, you try to the best of your ability. Just be natural to yourself. Make sure you put the time and the research into actually making the video valuable to the people and make sure it's like high quality and you're always giving them something that they could walk away with and they're either excited about it or something that they could do right afterwards. And that's all you can ask for. But in terms of like most people don't want to do like when they talk about like perfection, I think it's more from like a production standpoint you know what i mean it's like oh wasn't edited perfectly the lighting wasn't perfect etc etc and that that just like holds them back so um that's something i definitely struggled with at the beginning too but now i'm like okay let's just like this is a good piece of content i know it is so it doesn't need to be a 10 yeah i've I've improved on it too just like you only have so much bandwidth in the day make sure you're doing things that are actually going to move your business forward and like at the same time like like if someone if you mess up one of your animations it's really not that big of a deal. It's not like a spot where you should just delete it and start over, honestly. Like, and I, I would do that all the time. Like I would just literally just delete something and completely redo it if I thought one little thing was wrong with it that probably only I was noticing from the very beginning. So I'm, at this point, like if I'm spending a long time on something, 
it's normally building in some sort of system that after that, it's going to be a template. It's going to be something that takes me less time than the first time that I do it. Because the first thing that I think I did wrong originally in video editing is I was doing a lot of stuff that I probably could have done once the right way as a template. And I was just redoing it every time. It was taking me like two and a half hours post-production to edit a six minute video, which is a joke. Like that oh should never God. happen. Like I'm way, way uh, more advanced in that way now, which has helped a ton. The video that like we're making right now, hopefully will help people like skip some of the research and the time up front. But some of those are just like mistakes you need to make, you 100%. know, when you're starting off because it won't stick to your brain. Like, Oh my God, you know, I should have made a system for this. So that lesson doesn't necessarily carry over to the thing that's completely different. But yeah, I went through so many times like that where I'm just like, Oh, if you put in a little bit more work up front to make it a good template, you just save a thousand hours, like on the back, like the middle of the football season into week six. And you have something that you're just putting a bandaid on, but you've put a bandaid on it for four weeks instead of fixing it once. So then it's good for the next, whatever it is. So I, I do like, that all the time during football season. Yeah. The entire uh, football season in itself is just one shit show of like trying yeah, just slapping, one band-aid. Just slapping band-aids like just everywhere. And as soon as like yeah. week 16 hits, it's, they all fucking explode. And the, oh, it's all the way through playoffs right. for me. So you're lucky. Oh yeah. I get out as soon as Monday Night Football in week 16 is <laughs> fucking done with. All right. So let's go through a couple more like quick hitting tools or apps or whatever. So for me, YouTube, I would say the single most important tools on there, TubeBuddy. So T-U-B-E, Buddy. It is a free app that you can get. It's like a Google extension. I use the paid one. So I'm not actually, I forget which one, the free one, what the free one offers, but I had used the free one for a few years when I first started. It, it had plenty of good features within it. So TubeBuddy is awesome. It basically will show you, it'll give you suggested keywords. Like when you're uploading your video, first of all, yeah, when you're uploading your video, there's like different sections, right? My advice would be make sure the title is something that's simple. For YouTube, don't get too specific on titles. I see a lot of people that get like extremely specific to something that's happening in the NFL or whatever. And unless it's like really big popular breaking news, I would stay away from that. Do Remember, it's a search platform. So keep it easy. Keep it very, very simple. That will help. And within the description, I usually just like copy over the title and put that as the first line in the description. So it picks it up because YouTube will know like we do 2020 fantasy football rankings, right? They want to make sure that like everything is kind of consistent. And that's the theme. So they'll hear it in your audio. They'll see the title. They'll see it in the description. And then you put it in the keyword. So they'll know like if someone searches 2020 fantasy rankings, yours will be one of the first ones to pop up. In terms of the keywords and the tags, they give you 500 characters to work with. Do not use 50 use 500 because that's how yeah. your shit is going to get found i see people just putting in ridiculous words in there when you download tubebuddy you actually can see the keywords that other people use on their video so you have tubebuddy i can go over to joe's channel look at his video and see all of the tags and the keywords that he uses and where they rank on youtube they'll have a green little number next to it so if there's like a three next to it that will mean that if i put that search term into youtube it's the third video that actually comes up on the list. So it's very useful in that sense. And when you're putting in the keywords, think like, what would people be searching on YouTube to find this video? Don't just put football because listen, no matter how good your video is, if someone you're not types ranking in, for that, yeah, if someone, if someone types in football on YouTube, they're not finding your fucking video, right? There's a billion videos. So 2020 fantasy rank, like type in some of the players that are up there, type in fantasy rankings, wide receivers, wide receiver, fantasy rankings, fantasy football, right? Like get like, those are the things that people are going to be searching for. So inside YouTube, TubeBuddy is fantastic. Free extension that you could use to get a little bit more information on keywords and tags and things like that. Yeah, I use TubeBuddy, TubeBuddy as well. I have the paid version, so I'm not exactly sure what the, the free one is either. But just to like give you guys an example of like some stuff that I've definitely done wrong, like all the everything you put in your metadata, like your tags, your description, everything that Nick was just outlining, it has to be specific to your channel size as well. And TubeBuddy does a really good job at actually like giving you 
metrics for your size channel with your audience. So like my tags, they're never going to be the same as Pat Mayo's tags with a hundred thousand followers for the DraftKings account. It's always going to be different. It's like if Pat can put the word DraftKings in his tag, I'm never going to like my, my channel is at just under 6,000 right now. I'm never going to rank for DraftKings, but will I rank for NHL DraftKings picks? Yeah. I'll probably be like top five for that because I'm like one of the only people in the niche that's doing that. But even stuff as simple as, and you'll see this when you kind of test out some tags into buddy, as simple as being NFL week 10 DFS picks. Maybe you wouldn't rank for something like that because there's a lot of competition, but if it's even NFL DFS plays, like just changing one word of it, sometimes can make a really big difference because maybe the search volume is a little bit lower, but the competition isn't near as high. You want to try and at least stack up some of these small victories. I don't need to go just try and rank for DraftKings tomorrow. Like I would rather rank for some more specific things that are going to help you build over time. I, I'm really big on stacking up small victories, especially on YouTube when uh, it's, it's a grind. Very few people blow up on YouTube overnight doing the kind of stuff we're doing. It's, it's a slow grind for sure. Yeah, no way. Uh, I, I think like, yeah, it, it's all kind of a combination because there are, there are multiple ways to be found on YouTube. It's through search, it's through the browse feature and it's through the suggested videos. Yep. Um, and you can look at all that inside your analytics on YouTube. And for the most part, I think most people are, are found through like the browse or the suggested videos, organic search through like, you know, just searching terms and stuff is usually like 15% or 20% of the views that you get on video. The way I look at it is like, you have, you have three things that, that are going to work for you. You have the thumbnail, you have the title and then you have the keywords that you put in. So like you're going to be, you're going to catch someone's or the content, I should say is the third thing, right? You're going to catch someone's eye through the thumbnail. They're going to read the title and then decide whether or not they're going to click on it. And then if your content is good, they will stay. So it's the trifecta of those real three things that will probably drive the money on YouTube. It's the thumbnail, it's the title, and then of course the content has to be king. So that catches the eye, it grabs them and pulls them into the content and then they need to stay within the content. That made me think of something. So Jordan, when we went through all of my analytics and everything, I was trying to tell him, I was like, yeah, so like, how do, how do we get our watch time up? Like the watch times get so important, like how long people are on your videos, the percentage of the total video they're on it. I was just like, how do we get the watch time up? Should we put some sort of call to action, like stay to the end of the video, whatever? He's like, he's like, Joe, you know, the, the best way to improve your watch time is to make better make content. content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, sometimes those little tricks don't matter as much. And I've actually heard too, we've talked about uh, hashtags and keywords and all that stuff. I actually heard that that's only relevant for like the first few days that it's on anyway. It's more for YouTube than the actual people that are consuming your thumbnails, your titles, and just having people watch your entire video with good content is by far the most like if those things are all the way up here like everything else is still probably down here 100 percent, i'd agree with that i think as soon as i started making better thumbnails and like better titles that i think people on youtube were like searching for the views and stuff became exponential and it goes back to like designing too i think simpler the better the better for youtube don't try to do too much don't get too specific don't try to jam too much bullshit into like one little crevice because that's how things explode and you know everything's going to go haywire if you try to do that so keep it simple on youtube speaking of youtube i get a lot of questions about copywriting because we're in a niche where people like to put content inside the videos whether it's nfl content or like rookie content or whatever it is or even music so i put music inside my videos youtube like i don't really know what they did but they recently changed their process for allowing music in videos I used to put up vlogs where I would just straight up put like Meek Mill songs on and they would just take my videos down. They'd be like, you can't do that. Here's a copyright strike. And I was like, shit, okay. Now they allow you to keep the music inside the videos, but you cannot monetize any of the videos. 
I feel like the last time I had a video that went up and was monetized might have been in like mid-November, to be honest. And I just like, to me, it's like I'd rather have the, the video be quality and people enjoy the music and stuff, mostly for my vlogs, because I think that's a big part of it, than try to make like an extra $13 off a of video. So music, they've gotten way, way, way less lenient on, and I'm pretty sure you could almost always use it. In terms of game film, it's the same thing. I think they have some kind of software that picks up the audio and picks up the video film. So you can put clips of players playing in games, but don't expect to monetize it. And the fact that if, if you're watching this and that resonated with you, if you're someone that didn't know that's how it worked, then you're probably not making enough money to monetize anyway. So I don't think it's really a problem for you, but I just want to put that quick sense in there. Yeah. Uh, there's tons of sites out there can, that can give you music that won't have those copyrights, but I'm with you. I, I think that the user experience with your content is still a lot more important. Like I didn't even have my ads turned on throughout the entire football season. Cause I didn't want that to take away from the videos as a whole. Again, Jordan told me that there's a rumor going on that if you have your monetization turned off, it's actually a strike against your video because YouTube wants to make money off of ads. Uh, so I'm turning my ads on now, uh, but I will say that I'm not too worried about making an extra like 15 bucks about a copyright strike either. That's horrible. That's so annoying if that's true because yeah, I, like, I, I for these mean, videos, I, that's just a rumor, but all that kind of stuff floats around all the time about the algo. Yeah, like for these videos particularly and my vlogs and stuff, I none of those have any like monetization goals behind them. So I immediately turn that off. So it's like- It's annoying, but it makes sense though. It does make sense a little bit, but I feel like that's a bad decision from the YouTube platform. Like you 100%. want the people to enjoy the product. So guys, if you're getting mad at me for seeing ads throughout this video. Yeah, blame me. Actually, could, blame Jordan. Don't blame me. You could blame Joe. Yeah. Or send me a Venmo or something. Yeah. This is not how I wanted to do this, but good to know, I guess. And those are the weird little algorithm things that pop up as a, as you're a content creator and you should, you should stay on top of those things, folks. All right. Now, do you have like a, a main platform, like a website set up? I have a website. Yeah. I have It's basically just, uh, just there. So no one else steals it. I've got some other stuff. I have a coaching link that I will send people to that basically just sends right to my email. Um, I was doing the Amazon affiliates thing for a little bit and they need you to have a website. I would rather have less type of affiliate links and all of that stuff. Realistically, I wasn't making like life-changing money from any of that stuff anyways. I, I think that I would rather just focus on trying to push people to Twitch or whatever it is and then uh, actually bring them more value than, hey, here's my, here's my uh, Biz20 promo code. Uh, I'm going to make 13 cents off this. Like I'd rather just <laughs> show people stuff that I actually like. Yeah, affiliate levels on some bullshit right now in our industry. Yeah. Uh, so you don't blog at all? I don't. Uh, I wish I, I did more of that stuff. And you mentioned how you guys have kind of transferred your Instagram to more personal, like behind the scenes stuff. I think that's an awesome way to go about it. I literally live right next to where all the tailgates are for the Minnesota Vikings games. And I stream on Sunday mornings and do a show. But I've thought about just going out there with a camera and just like talking to people, like build a DraftKings lineup with people at the tailgate. Like I think like that fun. kind of stuff. Yeah. would be way better content than even some of the other stuff I was doing. That's a good idea. And I think about vlogging because people reach out to me pretty often. They're like, yo, are you looking for writers? Because in, in our industry nowadays, like every website is just like, we're looking for new writers. They'll take on 500 freelance writers that make like 13 cents an article or some shit yeah. like that. And people are like, I want to come write for big dogs. I'm just like, no, <laughs> like that's not a focus of mine whatsoever. I make chicken scratch for notes that I use for my videos. And those are the blog posts on there. So if you go on there and you read some of the blogs, they probably don't. It, it's as if you're watching my videos via a podcast. A lot of times it doesn't make sense because they're made for me. They're not really made for people. So I don't focus on blogging. And it's so interesting that this this industry is so hyper-focused on blogging and wanting to assert, uh, like rank on Google. And the way I look at it is one, there's like two ways to rank on Google. You can either pay a shitload of money to be an advertiser on the top of it, which you would have to compete with, you know, the ESPNs and the Yahoo's and you're not going to outpay them. Or two, 
you are going to have to naturally get your organic growth up there to the point where like your content is amazing or you're putting out so much content that Google gives you kind of no choice but to get up there. But again, you're competing with the ESPNs and the Yahoo's. So for me, I was like, one, I don't like writing Two, It just seems like a, an unnecessary choice to compete with them when I could just beat them on like YouTube. Makes sense, man. Uh, I went through that whole thing, like where you're just trying to work for a big company. They want you to do all the articles in the world, probably getting tens of views on some of those videos or those articles. And just a lot of people that I know, they'll watch a five minute YouTube video, no problem. They are not reading an article that's over 500 words. They're just not. And I honestly think that I'd rather be ready for the people that are coming versus trying to capture the people that are still here, if that makes sense. I, I think that's a big thing. And honestly, you probably saw this. You were at FSTA, probably having conversations with a lot of people there that have very successful businesses in fantasy football. A lot of it is probably content driven, but they probably had a million questions for you about things that you're doing. And you probably had a really fresh perspective on it. I feel like there's certain conversations I've had with people in the industry and they just don't look at it the same way we do, man. Because I honestly think that I'd rather be on our side of it, just being able to capture the people that are coming versus just trying to hold on for dear life and just hope that, like, honestly, I think some of these, like, they're panicking already. And we knew that was going to happen. We, we talked about that last year. There's going to come a moment where people are freaking out because their views are going to start to tank even more in terms of, like, their actual written content. That's, it's useful to get people to your site. But I honestly think that I've developed more personal engagement with people yep. that are going to be my true fans forever, no matter what I do, doing what I'm doing now versus articles. No, I mean, yeah, you follow me on Twitter, fine, but you have no idea who I am as a person. They can come hang out with me on Twitch every weekday now. Like, it's just totally different. You build absolutely no connection via blogging. No. Unless you're an amazing writer, unless you're already well-established and people understand that they're, they're actually reading your work. Like I said this, I think when I was talking to Mike Tags, I was like, yeah, like I, if I'm reading an article on fantasy, it's only because it had a very alluring title and I click on it, but I have no idea who the author is. So by the time I'm done with it, like I can't even give credit to that person or build a connection being like, oh, I value this person's opinion because I just didn't look at the author. But when you listen via podcast or when you watch via video, you have no choice but to connect with that person because you're hearing them or you're seeing them and you'll always remember that if they, they give you value, you're going to be like, oh, okay, this person gave me a fresh perspective on way to uh, think about things or way to look at things. And that was their face or that was their voice. So you don't, you don't forget that so when people are like so hyper focused on blogging i'm always like i i just don't i don't get it i don't understand it in our space because it's just very very backwards thinking like you said it's like people trying to kind of catch up and they're trying to like make sure that they keep where they are because they're comfortable and they're not comfortable with the the ever-changing world that we're in when in the content landscape but like you have to be objective with yourself and understand i guess what you said before it's like you're spending too much time on shit that doesn't matter and if you can be aware enough to realize that you're doing that it's it's time to pivot if you think you're in that space then i could tell you you are that's that's the way i look at it yeah man i'm, I'm wrong all the time i've been wrong like probably 12 times on this on this recording like that's I fine i don't uh, know if i've ever been right yeah so like it's fine i'm I'm not like scared to say that i did something that didn't make me money it's okay i just might not do it as much next year it's not that big a deal no that's why we're always trying different things let's talk about patreon real quick are, okay. are you are you on patreon i have one i haven't i thought about using it just because i was pissed off that twitch was taking half of the cut for subs but i haven't figured out exactly how i would want to go about doing it i thought about using patreon for coaching but they do take a portion out now, right? But it's it's one of those things too, like the Discord chat that I mentioned before, it's all automated. So if you subscribe to me on Twitch, you're in the chat, you're in, you're in everything. Like there's people oh, in there probably fantastic. talking about NHL right now. So that's great. You can do the same thing with Patreon though. So yeah, I don't have a ton of firsthand experience, but I'm intrigued by it. I know a lot of people use it. Yes, it's it's an interesting platform. It's basically a platform where 
if you're a creator, you can make a Patreon and you're basically offering exclusive content to your patrons. They sign up for an exclusive package with you, right? For instance, for me, I would give them, you know, the five videos a week on YouTube. And I say, Hey guys, if you want like the sixth video, or if you want an extra podcast, or if you want my rankings, which I don't put elsewhere, you subscribe to me on Patreon and it's like, you know, $10 a month or something like that. So it's kind of an inside look into your brain that you go beyond doing it. My problem, I've had a lot of, a lot of trouble focusing on Patreon as like a a source to make money. And I know we have some creators in our space that make a ton of money through Patreon. And I'm like, I don't know why I neglect this so much. But one of the big things is I absolutely despise putting any content behind a paywall. Like I, I don't think I ever want to waste energy putting out like making a really good piece of content that only 200 people see, whereas I could put it out for free and maybe 15,000 people will see and in the long run, I'll get way more value out of that than just a quick page paycheck off Patreon. So one of the things I need to improve on and that I've been looking into this off season is like really focusing on how I can monetize Patreon better, but not necessarily take away from things that make the other platforms good in a sense. Does that make oh, sense? Dude, no brainer. Just you should start attaching it to a discord. So you build some sort of community where people can go hang out people. Yeah. They want your picks. They want other exclusive stuff that you're putting behind that Patreon paywall. But honestly, I'd say that the value is probably just getting a discord and getting a group of people a part of your community that can just chat when videos aren't like you can go in there and interact with them like you can frame it as if you want to talk to me i say off stream but if you want to talk to me outside these videos or whatever it is like come hang out with us in the discord you have an nfl chat in there you have some start sit stuff so the real hardcore people even if you're not around i'm not like i'm not around like i said i'm not around right now in my discord i can guarantee if i opened it up people will be talking about the nhl dfs slate that's going to lock in two hours but it's it's something that it snowballs after the time. So there's like people that probably would miss just like talking with their buddies about NHL DFS. And they would just subscribe to me because of that, just to be a part of that chat. still, a part of that community. So I think that's, I mean, that's a big thing. Like you have a lot of people that are super loyal to your brand as it is like tons of people want to come work for you for free. Get some of those people to be like some of your core people on a discord. No brainer. That's a uh, really interesting that you bring it up because my uh one of the probably the only person that actually blogs for me that i allowed on to blog for me noah at fb god on twitter he was like yo do you mind if i start a slack channel for people that yeah. are interested in dynasty or whatever and he started it a couple weeks ago and it's got almost 300 members in it now and i pop i think i popped in like twice i'm such a fraud like i popped in twice and it's i go in there and he's, football is way harder too Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I just stopped doing sit starts. But he yeah. set up like 20 different channels. And it's just buzzing at all times. So shout out to the big dog slack community. And if you want in, it's, it's completely free. We don't put it behind a paywall. But that, I was thinking like, maybe when we hit 500 members, so we have a, a, a nice foundation, then like everyone who wants to get in can only get an invite through Patreon or something like that. Yeah, the, the upside of doing it on discord is it's automated, right? Yeah. I've got 1300 members. Like, ah. Yeah, I got 1300 members in my Discord and Ooh. it's I don't I don't do anything about it. And not all those people are subscribers, so I have a main channel where there's not a ton of interaction, but then I, my subscriber channels, they all open up and I, I still provide value in them. I provide data sheets, picks, that sort of thing um, that I don't post anywhere else. Um, but even just right now we've got uh, over 100 people that are my subscribers on Twitch that are in the Discord and it's all automated. So someone doesn't subscribe to me the next week, the subscriber channels, they go away. Damn, that's fantastic. Like Slack, Slack's great. I prefer Slack as like using it, uh, but it's not automated, so it's not realistic. Man, Patreon pisses me off. They they have like so much opportunity to be really good. Like one, first of all, they don't let me. They they do take like ten to twelve percent of the monthly pay. They don't mm -hmm. let me have admins. So I have like friends that I'm like, yo, can you help out? And and 
Patreon does not let you have admins to, you know, post things to the Patreon page. I'm like, that's terrible. You can't pin things either. So if I wanted to have like a sticky note that was like, join the Slack channel by clicking this link, I wouldn't be able to do that. I would have to post it like weekly. That's I'm horrible, like, man. That's yeah, what I mean. You can, do, you can do different roles on Discord. Like I can, so say you and I did a Discord together. We could have your Patreon channels, my Twitch channels. They're subscribed to me. My channels open up. They're on your Patreon. Your channels open up. They subscribe to both of us. They're all there in one spot. Like it's, you can do different roles for everyone. And it's, again, it's, it's, you're using Patreon or using Twitch. Like it all happens automatically. It's great. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into that now. I'm pissed because Patreon is something I've been using for years. And a lot of new creators are like, Oh, I'm just going to start a Patreon. I will say it's very difficult. Like I have what, like 35,000 YouTube subscribers. And I think at the very max of during the in-season Patreon, I had maybe 300 or 400 Patreons, which is in a raw number. That's nice. That's like, that's a good amount of income coming on for those like four or five months. But at the same time, that's like 1% of my audience, maybe. So if you ratio that out to whatever you're, I see like people on Twitter and I'm not knocking anything about like having lower follower numbers or anything, but someone on Twitter will have like 3000 followers. They don't have a presence on like YouTube or, or really big podcasts or anything. They're like, I'm going to open up a Patreon. I'm like, okay, but don't be surprised when you have three Patreons six months down the line, right? Because it's like relative to the loyalty you've built up and the, and the size of the following you have. So it's very, it's very, very hard to monetize on these monthly subscription things, unless you have like a good offering and a value point and systems in place. So if you're going to jump into a Patreon, make sure or any monetization platform, make sure that you really have an idea in place for how you're going to serve these people. Like, you know, this is the weekly schedule for Patreon. This is when I'm going to post this. This is when I'm going to post this. Because if you just try to go as it's going on and you haven't figured that out in the, you know, upfront, that's going to make your life a mess. And at some point it's probably less valuable doing it than it would be to get the money on the other end of it. For sure. And yeah, that should be one of the last things you're kind of thinking about. I guess, yeah, Patreon makes a lot of sense for you. Twitch makes a lot of sense for me in particular, because I'm providing that data sheet just to my Twitch subscribers. So giving them something during football, I do one for hockey as well. But what's cool about Twitch, at least, is it's bought, they, Amazon owns it, right? So if you have an Amazon Prime account, you automatically get a free subscription to a Twitch Prime. So like you can, if you have Amazon Prime, you can be my uh, Twitch Prime subscriber and get access to all this stuff for free too. So that's, that's nice. Uh, just my Twitch primes alone during the football season. It, it's usually, uh, I mean, it's obviously a lot more during football, uh, but Twitch primes are probably like a third of all my subscriptions. So a lot of people are just getting it for free. That's pretty so, cool. Actually. Yeah. I have to check that out. Yeah. I'm never on, I'm never like personally on Twitch trying to figure out content or uh, trying to like watch content or anything, but like, that's all, that's a great way to figure out if you're, if you're thinking about getting onto Twitch, if you're thinking about getting onto TikTok. again, going back to design, like go on there, figure out what you like about Joe's channel. You're like, why is this, you know, intriguing? What is he doing right? What is he doing wrong? And then use that in your kind of content creation system. All right. We just hit the hour and 30 mark. I am uh, <laughs> talking about sweating from the lights. I have no lights on me, but for some reason I am sweating. So I feel like that's probably my cue to cut this off. I, I hope you guys enjoyed this, man. I hope this was valuable to you. If you have any questions about technology, audio, video, software, apps any of that stuff me and joe probably have experience in it not I'm not saying we're good at it but we've probably fucked up more things than most of you guys have even 
tried, please leave those comments down below. You can reach out to myself on Twitter. You can reach out to Joe on Twitter. All those things will be linked in the description. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to Joe's channel on YouTube, putting out plenty of good content, obviously, uh, mainly in the DFS platform, but he's all over different sports and different platforms. So he's a very fun follow. He's someone that's up and coming and, and very um, forward thinking in terms of how he's putting out his content, obviously, as you could tell from this conversation. So Joe, thank you for uh, joining me on Behind the Business of Fantasy Football for this week, my man. No problem, man. Shout out to all the people that are still here and kind of bared with us for a little bit, man. That was a good time. We'd love to do it again. Hell yeah. Later, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.